SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. Kathy Motlatana on SAFM. We continue the conversation on the talking point, still staying then with the uh, special program or project by the Department of Water and Sanitation, which is the education program. Margot Adonis is a scientific technician at the Department of Water and Sanitation and also a previous beneficiary of the Learning Academy. Margot, good morning. Morning, Cathy. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. What exactly does a scientific technician do? I get asked this question. You look so lovely, by the way. (laughs) I I can't even tell that. (laughs) Um, So a scientific technician in the department, or more so specifically what I do back Mm. at home in the Western Cape region, is that I'm responsible for strategic support um, implementation of our WSAs, meaning our municipalities. So I focus and I provide inputs into the integrated development plan and all their plans towards water and sanitation services to ensure that we do in fact reach the goal of ensuring that we have access to water for all and decent and safe sanitation services. How old were you when you first uh, interacted with the <laughs> Learning Academy? I was in grade 11, so that was, sure. I was 16 years old. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and it's been it's been such a journey ever since. I've been saying it to the learners this entire week that mm. back then in 2008, I had no idea where I was going to be, what I was going to do. But ever since that, that point was the starting point of my journey because mm. after that, I was Miss Earth South Africa Ambassador for 2019. I've been announced as a UN Water Youth Ambassador. Wow. I've been able to travel the world and speak on the Sustainable Development Goal 6, which is access to water and sanitation. Mm. And even through my MPO that I've started, it's to really advocate that every single child has access to water and sanitation in South Africa. Where did the love for this work come from? Was it as a result of entering these competitions and then having needing to learn a bit more because mm. really the the nature of the presentations that are taking place inside that auditorium need you to do research they need you to understand and engage with the concept so that you're able to communicate the message uh, in your mother tongue in different ways that many kinds of communities can resonate with I always say when people ask me this question, Kathy, it was circumstance, you know. Mm. I think sometimes people look at one another and we have no idea what someone is truly facing or going through. Mm. And at that time, a very rebellious um, (laughs) teenager, um, I came out of it knowing that I wanted to change the world. I wanted Mm. to make the the world a better place. And I had this love for the environment, but I had nowhere to put it. And... um, Getting my bursary by the department was such an affirmation for me because it made it more clear and it it became more crystal clear to me to say that I now know where I can put this passion. I now know where I can put this desire that I have. And I always say that even if you change one corner in the world, um, it might seem as if it's a drop in the ocean. But somehow or another, I mean, I've had the privilege to now turn around and see that the footprint that I've left is actually my legacy. And Mm. there are people that are now starting to follow it. Because with every step that I take, I break a a glass ceiling for our young vulnerable girls, especially our girls of color, um, where they can now enter spaces and take up those spaces commandingly so. 
Um, so for me, it was just a matter of having this passion and this fire inside of me and wanting to put it somewhere. So they were telling, uh, Susan was, was telling us earlier that um, once you win the competitions, you automatically have a bursary, even though you've not necessarily even finished matric yet, gotten accepted to university. So that process of knowing that I have a future somewhat guaranteed in terms of pursuing higher education um, is great. But then you still have to sit down and think, well, what am I actually going to do? Um, how, did, how did you navigate that path? I think for me it was obviously being exposed to so many um, officials in the department during my participation in the program. Mm. I was able to engage with them. And one thing that stood out the most for me, and I always say this, is that it was the way they spoke about what they do. And I just, I completely fell in love with the passion that they had for water. And going back, knowing that I had this bursary, I could now sit down and say, I want to work in water, but now I can start limiting it. You know, I don't want to work in a lab. I don't want to be constricted. I want to work outside in the field with mm. people. Mm. And then, um, obviously, because the bursary also allows you to study at any institution in South Africa of your choice, which I think is one of the most amazing parts of it, um, I chose the Cape Peninsula University of Technology. And um, environmental management automatically just sparked for me because mm. I told myself, you love the environment, you want to kind of navigate towards water, but why don't you do the whole, you know, cover the entire environment so that you are fully groomed. And I think that really just helped me navigate and, and, and really come about deciding what was that thing that mm. I wanted to study. And I can tell you now, I have no regrets whatsoever. I still go back to my institution. I tutor, I guest lecture. Wow. I mentor my first and second years because environmental management has always been such, and it's at the core foundation of, of the choices that I've made ever since. You, you are basically the perfect um, water ambassador, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I try every day, but like I say, um, my, sus my success is measured by the ones that, that follows and that's to come because we always say that the future is in the hands of our kids, but I believe that our future is here because we see it here today. Mm. Our kids are excelling, they have been excelling, and it's, it's the greatest reward for us as, o as officials to know that we can sit back and look at, our, at the products of our, of our labor. Tell me about then being on this journey to the point where you started your own MPO and the work that, that you're doing through that. Um, so like I said, in 2019, I was the Miss Earth South Africa ambassador. And Miss Earth South Africa was a platform for you to advocate for the environment. And just like any other pageant, it's limited to a year of rain. But the work that I was doing in my communities had become such second nature to me and I just didn't want to stop the work that I was doing. And one morning I woke up and I asked myself, what is it that I really want to do? I know I want to change the world, but what do I want to do? And, mm. I, and I remember having this conversation with myself and I'm like, but all I want to do is just change the vision. Mm. And Visions of Change was birthed then and there. It's an MPO that focuses on environmental advocacy and justice for all. So we advocate for the environmental rights of our children. We do beach cleanups, community cleanups. Mm -hmm. We I, obviously, because I work with the department, so we strengthen our education sector through that because we do environmental education with our schools as well. 
you know, one of the guests that we had before before you, Curtis Mabena, was talking about sometimes the difficulties that the department faces in communities, in contentizing people, and getting people to actually take it upon themselves to help in the cleaning up of the beaches, of the streets, because ultimately we know this rubbish ends up underground, most probably in some of the water systems. There's big rain, stormwater drains are blocked, and... I don't need to tell you about the knock-on effect of, of what that does. What do you think we need to be doing differently um, where this conversation is, is concerned? Yes, I remember a time when I was in primary school, even in high school, um, going out every weekend with plastic bags, picking yeah. up rubbish was part of the culture. Yes. And you would see it everywhere in the community. Yeah. Um, I, I, that doesn't seem to be happening anymore on the scale that, that it used to. Definitely. And we, the, the fundamental tools that we have to change our environmental status is the, to, by changing people's mindsets. Mm. Um, I, I remind every single person, young child to adult every day, that as much as the Constitution states that we have a right to a clean environment, that comes with the greatest responsibilities to, to say that it is upon us to ensure that the future generations does in fact have access to that environment. And like I said, education awareness is the greatest tool that we can use because if we start changing people's mindsets and behavior, automatically we will change their lifestyle. And we preach that it only takes 21 days for something to become a habit. So mm. if you make a small change just for 21 days, you're automatically going to make that change long term to say that whenever I go to the shops, I won't go with plastic bags or I won't purchase plastic mm. bags because I know that it ends up in the ocean. Margot, we're going to continue the conversation in a moment. I quickly want to take uh, a caller that's standing by out in Middleburg. Mike, good morning. Morning, morning, Katie. Yes, thank you so much Hi. for taking the call. Yes, 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 Katie. Can you hear me? Loud and clear, Mike. Go for it. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, Katie, uh, I, I really appreciate, you know, this uh, campaign, all the initiatives, and uh, listening attentively to your guests there. I feel, you know, they are quite passionate about the work that they do. Um, but I want to check if uh, they have any parameter that they utilize to measure the headway they are making. Um, I am saying this because, you know, in the past uh, we have seen uh, such campaigns, we have seen activities, but uh, it really did not make impact where it matters most on the ground. You know, ordinary people, their attitude towards water and environmental issues, we haven't seen any, any, any headway, you know, that really um, make the necessary impact that they would like to see. Uh, so, yes, I hear your guest um, uh, saying that... Um, uh, they appreciate uh, or they will appreciate if they can see some difference, you know, going forward. But uh, do they have any parameter or any aspect yet? Um, thank you so much for the, for the question. Um, I think most importantly, in terms of just monitoring the work that we do across the board, 
um, we do have certain systems in place to ensure that we obviously track um, just progress as a whole because I mean one of the biggest um, factors that we have to track, especially as a country, is um, achieving the Sustainable Development Goal 6 between, before the, um, the year 2030. And I know that according to the United Nations, South Africa is at 64%. Mm -hmm. We are not 100% there, but there are different systems in place. I know that with, just like anything else, where there's a lot of room for improvement because technology research is continuously progressing and we have to move with the times. I think COVID has taught us most that we rely now on technology more than ever. Um, so we are definitely advancing um, with the available resources that we do have. But specifically, just to maybe mention, in terms of just society, I think if anything, the, the series of um, droughts that we've experienced across the country over the past four years has been such a good progress um, status for us because we preached a certain message specifically on water during the drought. And even though we are not 100% there, we can still see that the changes that we implement, and such as taking two-minute showers, closing the taps when you're done, not flushing unnecessary, those are still behavioral changes that has actually stayed in our communities and our societies. And, and we really commend um, society at large for continuing to appreciate those resources now more than ever. So, Margot, are you saying that you see a greater responsiveness during times of crisis like drought to water management than perhaps when there isn't, when there definitely. aren't those challenges. Yeah, There's definitely a shift in social responsibility um, and that is in terms of people, individuals, society at large taking responsibility to saying that yes government does have a, a responsibility in terms of providing those services but as an individual or as, a, as part of society what are we doing to ensure that our individual contribution is something that actually benefits the provision of those um, services and the insurance of access to that resource in a sustainable and long-term manner? How do we... Mike, I hope that you, your question is answered. Um, I'm not sure if you're still on the line, Mike. Yes, yes, All right, I'm, I think I'm still so. on the line, yes. Yeah, no, oh, okay. Um, I, I, are, you, are you answered, satisfied? Yes, but not really satisfactorily because um, uh -huh. what I see this side, you know, uh, is that uh, you do not get that satisfactory response from the society after all the good activities. But if on their side they can detect at least uh, some difference, uh, it's good, you know. Mm. I will, I will, I will take that one. But uh, it is important that maybe. We mobilize all and sundry so that uh, we can all come to the party because uh, once we, we lose this one, hey, I'm telling you, uh, electricity will look like a picnic. And Mike, who do we then blame with, with the lack of, of progress? Who do we blame? Do we blame the department or do we blame ourselves for not being responsive as communities? I think we need to take a collective responsibility, KP, because uh, it's not uh, just about the department or the government, but it is also about ourselves. You know, uh, you, you, you realize that uh, even at this very moment in time when we are faced with such crisis, uh, you still see people, you know, not taking the question of water seriously, despite the gospel that is preached. So. Maybe we need to remember, I once made a suggestion that uh, we must have a, a, a water conservation summit, you know, across the country. 
and get all mm. stakeholders together and see if we cannot really instill some some passion and responsibility uh, with regard to water conversation. All right, Mike, let me thank you for calling in. Mike out in Middleburg. Uh, Margot, let me give you a chance then to give us your parting message before we take a, a look back, a, a look almost a walk down memory lane because, yes, we'll be speaking to young people after this, but in a couple of years' time, they could well be in the very same position that Margot is in today. Um, definitely. Thank you so much. Um I am such a firm believer of something that the late Dr. King and the late um, Tata Madiba said. It's that our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And I am the biggest advocate to young people. And every chance that I get, I make sure that I say this, that the world, need, the world deserves your light to be shined. And, and never compare your light, never compare yourself to anybody because there is a room in this, this planet of ours for your specific light to shine so uniquely so. And I um, just want our young people to know that we have a ocean of opportunities, but it has to be, it's the responsibility of chasing those dreams and chasing mm. those opportunities solely lies with you because no one is going to be in your corner 24-7 cheering you on, encouraging you. At some point, you're going to have to stand on your own two feet and start doing that cheering and encouraging for yourself because it's the greatest blessing to be able to walk a certain journey and like you said look back and see those that are following and be and realize that but that's that that same journey is a part of my story but mm -hmm. they have their own story to tell now as well so it's just that we we continue shining our light and continue demanding spaces breaking and shattering glass ceilings um, taking up spaces that was once said is not ours. It's so important that we continue to fill those places in this world. All right. Margot Ardenis, scientific technician at the Department of Water Sanitation, also a beneficiary of the Learning Academy, as you heard there, from the age of 16. That was in 2008. Today, she started her own MPO working in the space. She's still with the department. Uh, really an example of the benefits of a program of this nature.